Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord tonight. Father, we give you glory. We honor you. We recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we are grateful for that supernatural change that has taken place as we were made new creatures, that old things were passed away. Father, that we were placed in Christ, we were taken out of the dominion or the authority of the enemy, and we are now citizens of your kingdom, operating in your authority and in your power. Father, I pray that we would walk in the light of that at a greater measure. And we thank you, Lord, for the understanding and for the strengthening of our faith of that supernatural transformation and how to live it in, a, in our daily lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. If you will, join me in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I want to um, visit a subject that I believe is something that we need to continually put our, our faith on, give our attention to, to strengthen this area in our lives because it is such an integral part of our walk of victory as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 10 talks about um, a time that Jesus was delegating his authority to his disciples to send them out. He says in verse 1, After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. So Jesus was sending them out in advance of his arrival. He was sending them out and delegating for them to go and to minister and he gives them specific instructions over the following verses. And I want to look specifically at something he tells them as he is authorizing them to do ministry in his name. He says in verse 16, He that hears you hears me, and he that despises you despises me, and he that despises me despises him that sent me. So we see that there is a kingdom process or a kingdom delegation, a process through which God has chosen for his authority to be administered. Jesus said, the one who sent me, if you receive me, you're receiving him. And now that I'm sending you the one who receives you is in actuality receiving me, okay? This is still a system that works. 
This is the standard through which God has set things up. He has delegated authority, and he says, when you receive, then you're receiving the one who sent that delegated authority. Amen? Now, in verse 17, we see their response. It says, the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power. Now, this is one of those verses that you have to know the difference between what the the King James Bible defines as power and what the original Greek language, because this is the word exousia, E-X-O-U-S-I-A, and it means authority. But he said, I give you authority. Power is how King James has it, but the original word, it is the kind of power that is authoritative power. I give you the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. That's a different word. That's not the word exousia. It's not the word authority. It is the word um, uh, that we also uh, uh, use when we see in Acts chapter 1, when it says that you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit, it means explosive power. It means dynamite power, power to produce miracles. And so he's saying whatever demonic power the enemy has, you have authority to stop it, to bind it. You have authority to say that's not happening here. That's not going to operate in my presence. You have the authority over any kind of power that the enemy may have. He says, I give you power over all. Does your Bible say all or is that just in my Bible? Does it say all in your Bible? He said, I give you power over all. Now, this was Jesus' delegated power before the cross. He said, I give you power over all the power, the the ability of the enemy. So I give you authority over all the ability of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Hallelujah. So they were surprised at the result, but Jesus said, the results that you're experiencing, what you're seeing is that I've given you authority over whatever the enemy is able to do. Hallelujah. Now, as I mentioned, this was before the cross. This was Jesus operating in the authority that God had given Adam. Adam had this authority, but he lost it in the fall. When he disobeyed the command of God, he he lost the ability to operate this authority. But this was the authority that God had given to mankind. Mankind alive unto God. God has delegated this authority on the earth to man, and that has never stopped. What happened was, the enemy in the, in the uh, uh, temptation, he 
in the disobedience of Adam, the enemy gained control of what Adam had control over. It wasn't God who gave Satan the control of it. It was because God had so completely delegated it to Adam, Adam could submit it to Satan. And so everybody who was born after Adam was born in that same similitude, born in that same condition of spiritual death and in that same condition of a sinful nature and Satan had control over the authority that had been delegated to mankind. But Jesus came born of a virgin. Jesus entered into the earth. He said he entered in legally. He came in the shepherd's door. He came legally into the door. Amen? He didn't come up some other way like the thief did. He came legally born of a woman. And that's why the Beatitudes are there for us in the, in the Bible. So-and-so begat so-and-so and begat so-and-so. And all the way until you see there's Jesus born of a woman, born of a virgin with no physical connection to the bloodline of, of, of Adam, but legally in a body. Legally born a man, but with the blood of God, with the DNA of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when he came into the earth, he came into the earth spiritually alive. He wasn't in that condition of spiritual death. He wasn't in that condition of a sinful nature. He was alive unto God. And when he opened the Bible, he said, I know exactly what that means. Why? Because my spirit can feed on that word. And they said, look at you, 12 years old in the temple, confounding the, the teachers and the rabbis and all the priests. You're in here because he could grasp the word because his spirit was alive. And he began to see himself in the word. And he says, that, that's talking about me. That's talking about me. He wakens me morning by morning. He's given me the tongue of the learned. That's talking about me. I've come to do your will, O oh God. And he begins to answer the call of God as he's feeding on the word of God. He sees himself. He's alive unto God. And he's operating in the authority that God gave mankind because he is a man alive unto God. He is a man who has the legal authority on the earth, but he's also not connected to the uh, lineage of Adam so that Satan has no place in him. He said, he came looking for a place, but he, he can't find a place in me. He can't find a position. He can't find any high ground in my life. Amen? Why? Because I'm, I'm alive unto God and I'm walking in the light of God's plan for my life. I'm a, a keeper of the word. I'm a doer of the word. Jesus was our example. He was our model. He came and showed us how to live a, a righteous life, how to live a victorious life by uh, walking in line with the word of God. And when Jesus was born of a woman, he was fulfilling Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at verse 15 of Genesis 3, because I'm loading your weapons for you today. You just brought all your, you may have been fighting the enemy, and you may have come in here, 
and you, you think, wow, I think I'm, I'm on empty. I, I don't have any, nothing left in my barrel. Uh, but we're loading your barrels tonight reloading. so that you were reloading. Yeah, that's right. We're reloading so that when you go out of here, you're armed and dangerous. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and it shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The word head is an interesting word here because it means headship or rule or right to govern. Hallelujah. He said the seed of the woman will bruise or crush. The word is, is more accurately defined as crush. He will crush your headship. He will crush your rulership. He will crush your right to govern. Hallelujah. He will destroy your right to govern. And isn't that what Jesus did? Can, can, we, just, can we just marvel at what Jesus has done for us? Because in Ephesians chapter 1, it, it, it talks about this, this crushing of the head. But it, when it talks about it, you're in the scripture. It doesn't just talk about how the seed of the woman crushed the head of Jesus and leave you out of the story. When, when the scripture talks about this, he keeps referring to how it affects us and what it did for us. Ephesians 1, I want to look at verse 20. Hallelujah. I think we should start with verse 19 that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards who? There you are. This, he said that he wants you to know. The prayer is that you would know, that you would know what is this exceeding greatness of this power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, we've talked about this before, but let's just review it. Because in that one verse... There are multiple words for the word power. In the beginning there, this greatness of his power, that word is the word dunamis. It means inherent ability. This word working, it also is in a word that would describe power. It is energia, which means operative power. And then the word mighty is a word that is described as power. It means, it's the word kratos, which would mean ruling power. And then that final word, power, is ikus, which is endowed power. All in one, he, he said he wants you to know this. So that's why we're reviewing it, right? Because he wants you to know the Holy Spirit prayed for, you, for this this through the Apostle Paul, for the, the believers at Ephesus. So this is something that he wants for all of God's people. He wants us to know what is this exceeding inherent ability and potential and operative power and ruling power and this endowed power that works in us. He said, that's the power that works in us. It's for us. It's working towards us. It's working to our advantage. But we've got to know about it. Amen. We've got to know about it. 
See, if you don't know it, how can you believe for something you don't even know about? How can you release your faith for it if you don't even know that it's available for you? But when you begin to raise the bar and you begin to recognize, wait a minute, I'm not... I'm not doing this on my own. I'm not limited to my ability. I'm not trying to figure this out in my own understanding. I am being led by the Holy Spirit. I'm being empowered by his ability. He is available to help me. My life. This power that he wants us to know so much about is the power that he worked in Christ. Verse 20, which he wrought in Christ. This power that's working in you is the resurrection power. It's the power, this, this, this power. And I love how pastor described it. He said, you know, the Bible talks about the creation of the stars and the moons. It says that God used his fingers to create the universe, to create the stars. He used the power in his fingers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he brought the children of Israel out, he brought them out with the power of his right hand. But when he got ready to work salvation, he rolled up his sleeve. And he not only has the power in his fingers and the power in his hands, but he said, by my own right arm, by the power of my right arm. Hallelujah. So here we see that the power worked in the salvation through the raising of Jesus from the dead is one of the greatest the greatest displays of God's power, and it's working in you today. It's working in you right now. It's available for you today. This same power that raised Christ from the dead, where is it? It says it dwells, it, it dwells in you. If the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, Romans chapter 8 says. So he said this power is towards us who believe it's the power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him. Notice the word and. Just look at it. Circle it in your Bible because it's an important word. A lot of people just stop right there and they shout and just leave it at raised him from the dead. Woo! Woo! Praise God. But God didn't finish working on the power in the raising. He didn't raise him from the dead and then the power stopped working. The power continued working until he was set at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. I'm talking about you. I'm not just talking about, I can't talk about what Jesus did without talking about you. Because it wasn't just Jesus. It's to those who believe. To those who believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and set him at the right hand of God has raised you out of spiritual death and seated you at the right hand of the Father. You are positioned together in Christ, in the seat with Christ. He is the head and you are the body. And the power is available to you. He wants you to know about it so you can access it. He wants you to know this ability is yours so that you can live different than you would live without the power. You know, life without power is a hard life. Life without power. Your hair looks different when you don't have power. Can I get an amen from the ladies? The hair looks different without power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Makeup looks different without the power. 
Can't iron your clothes without the power. Hard to cook your food without the power. Hallelujah. There's, it's, it goes back to doing things the hard way. But he said, you don't have to live a powerless life. You don't have to live that way. Why? Because you are those who believe, and he wants you to know the power that works toward you. It's the resurrection power that not only raised us, but has positioned us at the right hand in the heavenly places, the right hand of the Father. Notice, he doesn't stop. He wants to describe to you where you sit. Now, for you to understand where you really sit, you're going to have to let the Bible explain it to you because eye hasn't seen it and ear hasn't heard it and the natural heart of man has never understood where you really sit. You have to let the light of God's word give you that picture pastor was talking about. You need an image on the inside of you because a lot of people are walking through their saved, born again, blood-bought lives with their mouth dragging the ground and the, and and the whole time they are seated with him at his right hand but they've never looked at where they sit they've never imagined where they've sit they've never visited but through this verse you can visit your seat you can go investigate and examine your seat you need to go look at your seat and you say oh i like my chair i like where i sit I, li- I like the view. I like the view from where I sit. Whoa! What a lot of view. What a view. Where's your view? It says far above. How can you be under the circumstance when you're seated far above? Far above. Come on. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take a trip. Through this verse and begin to look at where you sit. Woo! I got the I got the best seat in the house. I've got the seat. I've got the seat with the best view. I've got the view. It says far above all principality and power and might. And dominion. So is there a disease you can name that's not covered here? Is there a mental oppression that's not covered here? Is there any kind of attack financially or physically that's not, that's not included in this seat? I'm above that. See, we've got to keep that picture. We've got to let this identify who we really are or the enemy, the enemy would love to identify you falsely. He would love to give you the picture of where he wants you to think you are. He would love to give you the image that he wants you to live out of. But God has given us this so that we can visit our seat we can look from this position and we can, we can place ourselves through the power. And see, this power will place you. The power of God will continue working in your life till you take your seat at the, pow- at the right hand of the Father. And then it'll work through you like it should. It's going to work in you till it gets you in your chair and then it'll work through you to effect change in the lives of others. Hallelujah. So let's find out where you sit tonight. Far above. 
far above. You need to let that re-identify you. So whenever you feel like you're under too much, you need to say, I'm not looking at this right. (laughs) According to this scripture, I'm above that. And this is true. And what I feel is subject to change. It's temporal. See, it says that this power works in us a greater glory while we do not look at things which do appear. But while we look at those things which don't appear, we don't look at the subject to change the temporal things. We look at eternal. This is eternal. You are seated far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So the greater you, the more effective and proficient you become in your authority in Christ now, the better off you're going to be and the farther along you're going to be after this age is over. Because we're just not going to be hanging out on the clouds eating, eating cotton candy or something. We are going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. So verse 22, God has put all things under his feet. Now here you are again, because we're the body. So he's talking about us. Says God has put all things under your feet. You're seated above and all things are under your feet. You're the body. You are in him. He's your head. You're his body. And any, anything the enemy is able to do is under your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That means you have dominion over it. He's put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills All in all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is the fullness in us. Without us, notice it says, which is his body, the fullness of him. We are filled with him. And as we are filled with him, he's ruling and reigning through us. Hallelujah. Go with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2, and we'll go to verse 10 here. Beginning actually in verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Here we go again, talking about the head. You are complete in him. Where are you? In him. And he is the head of all principality and power. And where are you? In him. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, 
wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. You've been raised, and what happens after the raising? The seeding. You have been raised with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him Together with, see, there you are. You are here in this verse. Quickened, brought to life, resurrected, the resurrection power. When Jesus was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. You were raised from spiritual death. You've been quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in the cross, in that work. He triumphed. Yeah. God. That's your victory. That's your victory. He didn't need victory. I needed victory. He gained my victory. So I, we have victory and authority because we're in him and because he's in us. We're not waiting for him to give us victory. He, we, we are victorious now. If we deal with our situations as those who need victory in them, then we're already at a disadvantage because we, we should walk into the ring with the victorious mindset. I'm not coming in here to try to get victory over whoever walks in this ring. I'm the conqueror in him. I'm, I'm walking in already holding the title, holding the belt. I don't know nothing about, know nothing about boxing, but I know they carry the belt, right? So he got the heavyweight championship. He's got the belt. He won the last fight. He's holding the belt. And whoever's coming in is a contender. Do I have that part right? Is, that, is he the contender? He's coming. And what's he want? I want your belt. I want your title. I want your victory. When we, in, the, in whatever ring you may find yourself in, just remember, I already got the title. And there's no way I can lose it. It's his victory. I'm in him. He won that victory for me. And so as long as I stand in him through whatever this contender brings, I'm going to stand in victory. I'm not trying to defeat you. You're already defeated. You're under my feet. I'm seated far above this. Hallelujah. Tag. Come on. There's a microphone. Come on. Come on. He brought them to nothing. It come, come on. They don't have anything. They don't have any. Come on. Come on. 
Come on, help a sister out. <laughs> Hallelujah. He brought them to nothing. Nullified. The victory is your victory. The dominion is your dominion. The authority, it's yours too. He's not looking at our exercising of authority as something that takes away from his position. He, he delegated the authority so that we would operate it. He wants us to take a greater uh, tenacity and a greater boldness in the operation of his authority. He wants us to take more boldness about who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. He wants us to have that boldness that I am seated together with Christ Jesus. I, there's no weapon that's formed against me that's able to prosper. I'm seated together with him. I'm raised up together and seated together with Christ. Hallelujah. He wants us to have that, to that edge and that tenacity and that boldness and that confidence. And how does it come? Faith comes by hearing. And faith in who you are in Christ, you've got to let these verses speak to you and identify you and, 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 and let you. This is my GPS coordinate right here, right here. This is where I am seated together with Christ, far above all principality and power. And so when you recognize an attack, you recognize first where you are. Respond from your position in Christ. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2. I don't think I can hold pastor back. I'm just like, I'm ready. Philippians 2. Verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, this is why, because of this. Now, we saw that Jesus was operating in authority in Luke chapter 10, didn't we? He had authority to the point he could delegate to unsaved unblood-washed men to go, how? How did they go? When they came back, they said, even the demons respond in your name. So he delegated authority to these men who had not been washed in the blood of Jesus, had, and were not, they, they were under the, the delegated authority that he had given them that he was operating in as a man alive unto God. And he could delegate it and they could say, in the name of Jesus and get results. But this says something happened after his death. It says he became obedient unto death even the death of the cross, wherefore, is a word that means this is why, because of this obedience, what caused Adam's fall? Disobedience. The Bible says in Romans, by the disobedience of one, 
And so by the obedience of Jesus, it says, because of this, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. He already had the delegated authority that had been delegated to man in Genesis when God said, have dominion and subdue the earth and replenish it. He had that delegated authority, but in his obedience, he was exalted and given a name, a name representing a title, a name representing position, a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When was this exaltation and name Conferred after his death in the resurrection. When he seated him, he exalted him and gave him a name. A name that is above every name. And then Jesus said something to his disciples after his resurrection. Are you a disciple tonight? Do I have any disciples in the house? Then then this is for you. This is for you. This is for me. Matthew 28. Matthew 28 and verse 18. Jesus came and spoke unto them, all power, it is the word exousia, authority, right to control or govern, dominion, the area or sphere of jurisdiction, all exousia, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That was a declaration that he didn't make before the cross. He didn't make it before the shed blood, before the obedience, but he makes this declaration after the obedience, after the exaltation, after the title has been conferred upon him. He says, I've been granted authority, all authority, all right to govern and control has been given unto me, and now I'm delegating. You go in my name. Now, if under the old covenant, before the blood was shed, before the cross was complete, the men who followed Jesus could take his name. He spoke words over them and they went out in faith about what Jesus said. All he did was lay hands on them and speak words over them. And they went out and said, in the name of Jesus, devil, you come out of that person. And the devil obeyed. The de- yeah. They said that even the demons obey us. Yeah. People were healed with delegated authority 
before the cross. How much more authority do we have to operate? Control and dominion do we have to operate? It's the right to control or govern. He said, all of the right to control or govern has been given unto me. You go, therefore, in my name. You go, therefore, in my name. You go, therefore, in my name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's delegated. It's delegated authority. Hallelujah. He warned them before the cross of some changes that would take place. Let's look at those three that that are concerning the name. John 14. I, I told you this is integral for your walk of victory. If you get... If you allow the phrase, in the name of Jesus to become um, void of power in your life because you haven't been building your faith about the authority that is in the name or that delegated authority that's resident to you, it can become just a slogan. Breaker, breaker, one, nine. You know what that was? That, that was, I'm coming on to channel one nine. And, some, and some, sometimes people become so mundane, they, they, they let it become such a slogan that they say, Father, I come in Jesus' name, breaker, breaker, one nine. I, that, that's just how I open my prayer. No faith in it, no power in it, no recognition of what I'm saying. I'm saying it because I've heard other people say it. I'm saying it because that's how I've always prayed. But I'm not saying it with a faith in the words that I'm saying. That when I say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, I'm in the presence of God. All heaven has my attention. Angels just gave a full salute. Why? If I just become lax about the name because I don't have faith in the name, or I haven't been feeding on these scriptures that we're looking at, then it becomes just a slogan. It just becomes a catchphrase that we start our prayer with and end our prayer with. In Jesus' name, amen. Over and out. Good buddy. We don't, we don't want that. Listen, we just found out the power. We just talked about our seat. We want every time the words in the name of Jesus come out of our mouth, we want them to come out with the faith and the, the expectation of what they represent. We want those words to, ha- to mean something to us, to carry weight with us. Hallelujah. So Jesus said in John 14, 12, He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father. Now, do you think that put pressure on them? 
I mean, they, they said in this conversation, they said, how can it be better for us if you go away? Because he said, you know, it's going to benefit you. It's going to be better for you. And they're like, not, I don't see how you could think. Because you're the one who can feed the 5,000 with a couple of fish and some loaves of bread. You're the one who, who raised the widow of Nain's son. You're the one who, who uh, you know, healed that man at the pool of Bethesda. You're the one who did this. How can you tell me it's going to be better for you to go away? And he's, he's trying to let them know, you're going to do the same works. Woo! How am I going to do that, Lord? How am I going to do that? And this is what he said, whatever you ask, can you give me the amplified right there? Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He said, he's talking about the greater works. Whatever you, you greater works, you're not doing them in your power. He said, I will do. I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am so that the Father may be glorified and extolled in and through the Son. He said, I will do whatever you ask. So how are we going to do the greater works? In the name of Jesus. Is that what happened when they were going by the gate beautiful? And the man who had been lame all of his life looked unto them expecting to receive. And they said, silver and gold. I left my wallet with my wife. Silver and gold, have I none? Such as I have, give I. What did he have? He said, I've got something. And I've got something that's more important to your situation than the silver and the gold that you're begging for. I've got something to give you that can turn your situation around because I've been given the name. I've got something in the name of Jesus. And when they pulled them into the council to question them about healing this man, they said, faith in the name has made this man whole. Faith in the name. They didn't know anything about the anointing. They didn't know anything about the gifts of healings. They didn't know anything about the working of miracles. They said faith in the name has made this man whole. Hallelujah. And faith in the name will still work for us today. Hallelujah. He said, this is how you're going to do the greater works. John 15. John 15 and verse 16. Henceforth, I call you not servants. I don't think that's the one I want. Yes, you have not chosen me. I was reading 15, 15. Verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain colon. Now the grammar rule is there's something equal on the right side as there is to the left side. So we're going to restate what he just said about fruit that remains. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father 
in my name, he may give it to you. Hallelujah. Amplified. He said, whatever you ask of the Father in my name. I'm going to go right down to the end. So that whatsoever, whatever you ask the Father in my name, as presenting all that I am, he may give it to you. So when you're asking in Jesus' name, you're presenting all that he is. You're presenting him. I'm, it's like you're pulling out his ID card. Like, well, ma'am, I need to see your identification before you can pull that much money out of that account. And you pull out Jesus' identification. They're like, oh, yes, ma'am. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, you, you've, got, you've been named with his name. Hallelujah. See, I am Mrs. Philip Steele. I have a name, Michelle. But legally, I am Mrs. Philip Steele. Philip is a masculine name, but I am Mrs. Philip. Mrs. Philip Steele. Why? Because we're one. Because I'm in, I'm in Steele. We're seated together. Hallelujah. So the authority that we have in Christ, he says, when you present who you are in me, in my name, when you present in my name, I'll do it for you. I'll do that for you. Now, there's another emphasis he gave to this that I think we need to give emphasis to in John 16. Because he says a similar statement, but he goes a step further in the emphasis. John 16, 23. In that day, you'll ask me nothing. Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Before now, hitherto, have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. He made that emphasis. We should make that emphasis. I think there are way too many children of God living without that fullness of joy that could find a fullness of joy and have that fruit that remains in their prayer if they would start giving more emphasis to asking in the name of Jesus with a firm, confident faith of what's happening when they ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Jesus emphasized that he has delegated this authority, that we now represent him. And it's not just representing him to the world. That's a part of it. He said, go, make disciples, baptize people, teach them in my name. He wants us to represent him to the people. He wants us to represent him as we go before the Father, that we go in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And he wants our joy to be full. Why? Because this power that works in us, 
It's inexhaustible. You can't max out the power supply that's available in Christ. I, I challenge us, I think we should try. Why don't we just try to max out the power? Max out the power. Get full power flowing into our families. Get full power flowing into our, 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 our prayer lives. Get full power flowing into our finances. Full power flowing into every area. Hallelujah. And how is that power administered to us? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Pastor, would you come? Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Amen. Uh, as we're wrapping service up tonight, uh, look, at, look at Isaiah real quick. Isaiah chapter 7. And uh, I just want to share this with you real quick. I'm not trying to minister, uh, but I've, I've been with... Uh, pastor all weekend at a conference and uh, I was there at the conference and the Lord said something to me there was uh, one of the speakers that was there and uh, the Lord spoke a scripture to me to to speak to them and uh, he said to share it with you very quickly tonight uh, because you know and I don't I don't know who it may be but whether we say the enemy or people or just situations, they'll speak to you and they'll try to tell you what's going to happen. Uh, I like to say they'll threaten you. But the Lord gave me this verse in Isaiah chapter 7 concerning whatever the enemy be, may be trying to say. Isaiah 7 and verse 7, Thus saith the Lord, it will not stand, neither shall it come to pass. It won't stand, and it won't come to pass. I'm, I'm telling you, it won't stand. And the reason it won't stand and won't come to pass is we've been given authority over it. It will not come to pass. Amen. The only thing that comes to pass in our life is what God wants to come to pass in our life. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand up tonight, shall we?